Amen. Thank you, Pastor Chad and Heather. Thank you so much. Beautiful song. Powerful words. As we're singing and as we're reading responsively God's Word together, singing praises to the Lord together, I can only imagine in my heart how pleased the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God is. It's like music to His ears, I'm sure, when, when on any Lord's day He hears His people, the redeemed, washed by the blood of the Lamb, singing together praises. He is the focus. He is the object. And it's all about Him. And when He hears His precious children out of a deep love and reverence and respect for His Holy Word, reading in unison responsively His Word. Oh, how that must thrill His heart that we treasure His Word as we do. And, and it is. God's Word is a lamp under our feet. It is a light under our path. It is a living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joint and marrow. It is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. How it must please God when He hears faithful servants like Brother John Bowman representing Gideon's International talking about the, the ways that God's people can come together and rally together in distributing the Word of God in so many different languages around the world. Oh, how it must thrill the heart of our Father when He looks upon this globe and He sees so many people who are fallen and depraved and separated from Him who have no interest in the kingdom of God and no interest in, in the things of God's Word. How it must please the Father to see His people given proper attention to the things of God. And I'm just proud to be part of it. It's good to my ears when I hear you as a congregation, brothers and sisters, singing praises to the Lord and reading responsively the Word of God. It's our opportunity to, to express our love for God in worship. This morning, if you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians in chapter 11, the Apostle Paul is trying to straighten out the church at Corinth on some misconceptions about how they do the love feast and the Lord's Supper and, and, and got their priorities out of order. And he just took them back to the basics. And that's what you have to do sometimes. Is go back to the basics and just be reminded of why do we do what we do? And I pray that as we observe the Lord's Supper today that it won't be just a religious ritual that indeed you will stop and think about what does this table of these sacred elements really mean? Let's go back to the basics as Paul took the church at Corinth there in chapter 11 verse 23. He says, For, I'm, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. So Paul makes it clear. This is not my fabrication. I didn't invent this idea. This came directly from the Lord. I'm just sharing with you what God has imparted to my heart from the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In verse 25, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do also as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And then Paul concludes his own summary in verse 23, uh, or verse 26 rather. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And same thing applies to you and me. Every time that we come together to gather at the Lord's table to partake in the Lord's supper, you and I are making a declaration of faith. Our faith in Jesus Christ, that He indeed was crucified 
on a cross and shed His precious blood for the atonement of our sins. He was buried and on the third day, hallelujah, resurrected in the power and the glory of God. And we serve a risen Savior. And every time that we partake of the elements of the Lord's table, we're making a declaration. We serve a risen Savior. Praise God. We've been redeemed by His precious blood. And so just in the brief time that we have prior to the observance of the Lord's Supper, I would like to draw your attention to one of the elements of the table. Certainly talking about the blood, and I think you get that from the emphasis that has been placed on the singing. I like the way that we sang, there's power in the blood. Thank you, Brother Eddie, you're doing a wonderful job of helping us right in the midst of singing that powerful song about the power of the blood of Jesus to stop and just say, wait a minute, what about our sin? We've got to deal with the sin problem. Is there sin in your life that you need to confess and put under the blood of Jesus that we might be cleansed? You know, when we talk about blood, I know some of you are probably squeamish, not the nurses in the crowd, but, but those of you that just, some people just don't like the subject of blood. They just pass out or something, you know. I'm not fond about being around blood myself, but, you know, it doesn't make me squeamish. But, you know, uh, I, some, of, some of you know, I think most of the church members, family know that I'm a, I'm a regular donor of blood. About once a month, I make my way over to the Red Cross Center over on Coliseum Drive, and and I make a donation of blood because I understand the value of giving blood, and that's a ministry to me. But also, uh, in addition, oh, and by the way, last couple of months ago, I think a couple of months ago, I reached my 20 gallon mark. So that's a lot of blood. I was carrying a bucket of five gallon bucket of water the other day, and I thought, "Whoo, man, I'm feeling weak." <laughs> but <laughs> but but I. Uh, more than that, I'm, I'm a platelet donor, and I want to share with you. If you're, I don't, anybody else in the in the congregation a platelet donor? You, you do this in a little different way. They, you go over and you, you, they put you on a comfortable lounge chair like thing, and and then they put an IV in one arm, and then they put an IV in the other arm, and so for about two hours they pull all the blood out of your body. Now don't panic. You don't drop like a raisin and faint. But, but that what they do is they draw all the blood out of your body and they run it through a centrifuge machine. And what they do is they separate out the platelets, which are tiny bits of protoplasm found in the blood that are very crucial for people that are suffering with leukemia and cancer and those types of things because the chemotherapy destroys your, your, your uh, platelets and you aren't able to fight. Your immune system is down. So uh, we've got some oncology nurses in right here, sitting right down here. Uh, in our church, and they've been working their pastor over about, Pastor, you need to be a platelet donor. You need to get up and donate platelets, so they're draining me dry. But it's for a good cause. But you know, I was reading in the Scripture, you know, how does God look at blood? God has a very... And He's the Creator. He's the designer of blood. So, so actually, He should be the expert on blood and matters of blood. I, I just Googled it real quick. I don't do a lot of Googling, but I was just interested. What about fake blood? Couldn't, you know, rather than drain people, why couldn't we just use fake blood? Do you know there's actually studies done and there a lot of research and a lot of attempts to, to come up with a fake type of blood that would, you know, the, one of the main purposes, not the only purpose of blood is to deliver oxygen to all parts of your body. And so one of the, one of the things that they're really having difficulty with is imitating that function right there to be able to deliver blood through some other fluid other than human blood. Now, not, not to mention other purposes that blood serves in, in bringing nutrients and things like that to parts of your body. But to date, they, they have not been able to come up with a 
perfect match for human blood. Now, they got some substitutes that they can use to just keep your fluid levels up and things like that. But to date, with all the technology and all the science, man has yet to be able to recreate blood. God said something in His Word in Leviticus in chapter 17. Just listen to God's view as we talk about, first of all, talk about the life-given power of blood. And God's sacred view of blood in, in Leviticus chapter 17. I'll take you back to verse 10 where God is saying, as He's establishing this covenant relationship with Israel, and, and He takes the time to point out to them something special about their treatment of blood. And he says in verse 10 of chapter 17 of Leviticus, And whatever man of the house of Israel or the strangers who sojourn among you who eats any blood. I don't know if any of you make a habit of eating blood, but I wouldn't recommend it. God doesn't smile on that. But he says, I, I will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut him off from among my people. It's a serious matter, God says. Don't dabble with blood. For the life of the flesh is in the blood and have given to it I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. God says the blood is sacred because its function in the human body is life. And in the blood we have life. And, and for atonement to be made for sin, there must be the giving of a life. Hence, there must be a blood sacrifice. And that was the sacrificial system that God instituted for His people as a symbolic gesture. As you well know, the blood of lambs and bulls and birds could never truly take away and cover the penalty of our sins. But it was a symbolic gesture to carry them until God's perfect Lamb would come on the scene. Now, when I take you to the other end of the Word of God, to Hebrews, I want you to look with me there in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 17. I just want you to see from God's Word some treatments of this subject of, of blood and the place that it plays and why it's significant on the Lord's table and why it's significant to you and me and our understanding of the way that God works in dealing with our sin problem. And so there in, in, in Hebrews chapter 9, if you look with me in verse 17, where he says, for a testament, and, and another synonym for that would be covenant. So we have a New Testament and an Old Testament. We have an Old Covenant and a New Covenant. But he says, for a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while this testator, testator lives. And, and many of you know about a, a, a last will and testament. And a will is just a promise. It's not actually in effect until that person dies. It's just a promise, if you will. Verse 18, Therefore, not even the first covenant was, was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every per percept to all people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water, scarlet, scarlet wool and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Then likewise he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And according to the law, almost all things are purged with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. And it's interesting, as you go back up in chapter 9 of Hebrews and look at verse 11, he talks about the perfect sacrifice. He talks about the perfect Lamb of God. He talks about that which is not symbolic, but that which is actual in removing the penalty of sin. 
The, the, the very blood that gives remission of sin. And that's that of Jesus Christ. He speaks of Jesus in verse 11, talking of, of Him as the great high priest. He says in verse 11, But Christ came as high priest of the good things of good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood. He entered the most high holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Let me just stop there, offer a little footnote. Every time throughout the history of the nation of Israel, that the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, taking with him blood of lambs or bulls to sprinkle on the altar to, to atone for the sins of the nation of Israel. They did that over and over, year after year. Animal, millions upon millions of animals, lives were taken. This was done over and over because it was a symbolic gesture. But then the great and ultimate high priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Not in a mock, symbolic tabernacle made by the hands of man here on earth, but in the great celestial tabernacle that, had, that held the very presence of Almighty, eternal, holy God. There, our great high priest, Jesus Christ, took the real, ultimate offering, which was not the blood of lambs and goats. It was the very blood of the Son of God. The precious, sinless, atoning blood of Jesus. And He took it into the very holy of holies in heaven, into the very presence of the Shekinah glory of holy God. And there on the altar before God, His life, His blood, was offered for my sins and for your sins. And it satisfied the wrath of Almighty Holy God. And He did that once. Never to be repeated again. Just as He said on the cross, it is finished. The price for the payment for the atonement of our sins has been offered. Dr. Claude King in his wonderful devotional guide, Come to the Lord's Table, talked about the blood of Jesus and drawn from that great source and from the Scriptures and some other sources. I want to just share with you here for a few moments some of the, the wonderful benefits of the powerful purposes of the blood of the Lamb of God. Jesus' blood, powerful, purposeful. And dear friend, as we partake of the Lord's table today, might we also add it is precious. To every born-again believer who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus, who understands their depravity and their separation from God and the awful penalty of sin and having received the cleansing of the blood of, of, of the Lamb of God, might we declare with praise upon our hearts, it is precious, precious is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is sacrificial. Atoning death on the cross secures for us as believers a number of things. And so let me just show you in the Scriptures a few of those in Acts chapter 20. First of all, 
it secures for us the purchase for our freedom. I know we live in the United States of America, one of the freest nations in the world. We celebrate our democracy and our freedom. But ladies and gentlemen, you know as well as I do, the vast majority of American citizens are not free. They are in bondage. They are in shackles to sin. And just like we were, we were at one time in shackles to our sins. We were in shackles to death. We were hopeless, helpless prisoners of the devil. In great need to be set free. In great need to be redeemed. And Paul tells us in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, if you'll look with me there, he says, Therefore, take heed of yourselves. And Paul is writing to the elders at the church at that time. He says, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, speaking of the body of Christ, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which He, Christ, purchased with His own blood. We Our freedom has been bought. Salvation is free. We receive it by the grace of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and not by works lest any man should boast. It is free, but brothers and sisters, don't make the mistake of thinking that it didn't come without a cost. It cost cost our Lord dearly with His blood. He bought, he purchased, Paul says, the freedom that the church enjoys in 1 Peter chapter 1. Let me share Peter's writing again here to the early church. And he's saying in verse 18 of 1 Peter 1, he says, Knowing that you were not redeemed, and I might insert there, purchased. Knowing that you were not purchased, your freedom was not purchased, you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. You know, you hear these stories of... These people kidnapping folks and holding them for ransom, millions of dollars or whatever, gold or silver. And listen, and finally somebody pays the ransom and they're set free. And Peter's saying to the early church, you were captive. Don't, don't make any mistake about it. You were in captivity, but your freedom was not purchased with gold, nor was it purchased with silver or any material corruptible things from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. He says, But the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot, we were purchased. Our freedom was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Over in Revelation, in chapter 1, we find these words from the Lord in that great vision given to the Apostle John. Paul, John is describing here in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, he says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to Him who loved us, and in this New King James translation, they use the verb washed, but there's a note beside it that tells you that in some translations, some manuscripts, it says, And you were freed, and freed us, from our sins in His own blood. So one of the first benefits of the blood, of the powerful, purposeful blood of Jesus Christ is it purchased our freedom, our freedom from sin. But let me move further because also we see in the Word of God that the powerful blood of Jesus Christ secures for us the pardon from our eternal death sentence. And with that, I take you to the book of Romans in chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, if you'll look with me there in verse 9, the pardon that we so desperately 
need. If you are a convicted criminal, then there is a sentence. And that sentence will be executed on you. Imagine a person sitting on death row in one of the maximum security prisons. Just imagine the flood of emotions and sensation that would overcome that inmate if in their last hour, just minutes before they were to step into the death chamber and pay for the penalty of their sin with their very life. Just imagine the words settling upon their ears that the governor has pardoned your crime. Exonerated you from the guilt. You're not going to die. But instead you're free. People would be just marveling over that. How such grace could be exhibited towards a human. But folks, that pales in comparison to what the blood of Jesus has done for you and me. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 9, he says, Much more than having now been justified, in other words, pardoned by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. We have been delivered from the wrath of Almighty God. We are guilty. Make no mistake about it. The Bible says, For all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. The Bible is also clear about the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin is death. Eternal separation from God. Guilty. Poised to be condemned for eternity. Separated from God. And yet, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been made free. We have been pardoned of our sins. So the powerful blood of Jesus Supplies to us the pardon from our sins. But then I want to make it a little more personal now. Because I want you to see, the Scripture helps us to see that the powerful blood of Jesus also brings the proximity we so greatly need to God. Closeness to God. The proximity to God that we need for for fellowship in Ephesians in chapter 2, verse 13. Speaking of the blood. Listen to what Paul says to the church at Ephesus about the power of the blood of Jesus Christ to draw us into proximity to the God who created us. He says in verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been made near by the blood of Christ. It's a terrible thing to be separated from your loved ones over a great distance. It's a terrible thing to yearn in your heart, to want to be with somebody that just means so much to you, to be in a close relationship with them, and yet distance separates you so far away. Let me tell you something, that is exactly what sin does. Sin drives a wedge between the Creator, the holy and and, and wonderful, loving Creator, and His special creation, man. And sin is that great... Abyss, if you will, over which man can never traverse on his own power and abilities, could never come to God. Do you understand? We were separated by great, great distance. There was no way that we could draw one inch closer to God by our own efforts. But it was the blood. When Jesus died on the cross and He shed His blood on the cross, let me tell you something. It's the powerful, purposeful blood of Jesus Christ that 
took that wedge out of the way, removed that abyss. He drew us into the very presence of God where not only are we close to Him, but He lives within us. Folks, you don't get any closer than that. And hence, we can sing that old song every day where Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Just a closer walk with Thee, Lord. Just a closer walk. Listen, do you understand? You can walk as close to the God of the universe, the Savior of the world. You can walk as close to Him as you want to walk. Because the blood of Jesus has removed any barrier that would separate us or distance Him from God. Listen, I don't know how close you are to the Lord in your prayer time, in your Bible study time, in your ministry time, in your just devotion time before God. But if you're feeling somewhat distant from God and you don't feel as close to the Lord as you once did, let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Pardon English, but He ain't moved. Like the old farmer riding down the road in his old pickup truck and his wife is over there against the door on the, in the cab on the other side of the cab and she looks over wistfully and gives a big sigh and says, Ugh. he knew something was up and said, what's the matter? She says, don't you remember when we first started courting and how, oh, we were just sitting so close together and you know, we'd be riding down the road and people just see two heads, look like a two-headed driver. Oh, we're just whispering to each other's ear and going down the road and oh, but look at us now. The old farmer looked over at him and says, Well, I ain't moved. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the blood of Jesus has removed any barrier that would separate us and put distance between us and the God who loves us so much and the God that we claim to love. But we need to move on. I want you to see the power of the blood of Jesus also instills the peace with God our souls so greatly, greatly desire. Oh, listen, I don't know about you, but I yearn for peace. I'm not a, a person who likes disturbances and conflict, and I like being at peace with other people. I love to know that there's peace between me and God. And you see, the blood of Jesus Christ brings that peace into our lives. Look at Colossians in chapter 1. The Apostle Paul writes here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, For it pleased the Father that in Him, speaking of Jesus, all the fullness should dwell. And by Him to reconcile all things to Himself by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. Look further, verse 21. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now He has reconciled in the body of His flesh through His death to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable in His sight. Oh, listen. The God whose wrath blazed against us in our sinfulness. The God who was just and holy and was poised to condemn us and pour out His wrath upon us. Now, praise the Lord by the precious, powerful blood of Jesus Christ, we are now at peace with Him. Or you can be. I think about the words written by that great writer, Horatio Spafford. You know these very well. In that great hymn, It is well with my soul. You're talking about somebody that understood what it meant to be reconciled to God and to discover the peace of God in times of great trial. He wrote these words in that second verse. He says, Though Satan should buffet, 
Though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed His own blood for my soul. It is well. It is well. It is well with my soul. Do you live in the cognizant awareness of that peace with God every day? Are you at peace with God? Have you subjected yourself to the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus Christ that has taken you from being the target of God's wrath to making you the, the very object of His unimaginable, unconditional love? I can't explain it like Ricky Ricardo. Can't explain it, Lucy. I'll explain it. I just know it's true. And it's wonderful and it's powerful and it's God. The powerful blood of Jesus also supplies us with the purging of our guilty consciences. You know, God doesn't intend us to live with the guilt complex, ladies and gentlemen. So many people talk about things that they've done in the past and mistakes they've making, and they say, oh, just, I just got such guilt and I feel terrible. And as a, that has no place in the vocabulary of a child of God. God never intends for His children to mope and drag through this life burdened down with guilt. The blood of Jesus took care of that. In Hebrews chapter 9, going back to that passage there in verse 14, He says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? When you accept Jesus Christ and you make Him the Savior of your life and you choose to follow Him by faith, let me tell you something, His blood that is applied to your life does a purging work on your conscience and that includes any guilt isn't that what the apostle john said in first john chapter 1 verse 9 after all if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of how many all of our sins and to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness there is a purging that takes place and it is the blood of jesus that purges your conscience when you come clean with god you have no reason to carry guilt anytime anywhere god's people can live confident guilt-free lives because of the power of the blood of jesus christ and i say thank you jesus hallelujah Finally, but not least, the purification. The purification of our soul. That God's Word, or God, Jesus' blood supplies according to the teachings of God's Word. If you'll visit with me in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. John writing says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light... We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. In 1878, Elisha Hoffman wrote these words in the hymn again that you probably would recognize. I won't sing it and hurt your ears. But Hoffman wrote these words, Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood 
of the Lamb? Are you washed in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? 